Hi, this is Michelle O'Neill with O'Neill Wasaki. Today we're bringing you Tales from the Crypto. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency. This session uh, is called The Nature of Cryptocurrency, and we're going to focus on what cryptocurrency is, how it compares to, to traditional assets, how it's stored, found, used, and valued. Joining me for this is Andrew Spear, who is one of the attorneys at my firm, and he has written and been interviewed nationally on this topic of cryptocurrency. So here we go. Here we go. All right. What? Well, let's start with kind of the basics for okay. people like me that mm -hmm. aren't very technological. I know you're into technology, but you know I'm not so much. So let's let's educate. Okay. Let's start with what is a Bitcoin? Bitcoin is the the big dog in the world of cryptocurrency, right? It's easiest, don't think of all of them as Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just like a stock or a United States dollar compared to a euro, compared to the yen, compared to... So it's like to, McDonald's fries versus Burger King fries? Sure. Okay. It's just a different just brand. Just one type. Okay. Yes. A brand. Uh, it's the biggest one. It's the most important one. It's the McDonald's of fast food, but it's the Bitcoin of cryptocurrency. Okay. Um... And so what are the other types of crypto? What are other brands okay. besides there's Bitcoin? There's going to be Ethereum um, is the second biggest one. Then there's one called Ripple, which actually goes by a tag XRP. There's one called Doge, Dogecoin. It's spelled like dog. It's kind of fun. Uh, but then it's spelled there's spelled like dog, but said yeah. Doge. Yeah, D-O-G-E. Okay. All right. Uh, Dash, uh, Tron, and uh, Litecoin are some of the bigger ones, and Monero. There's some that are called privacy coins, and those are very complicated, and we're not going to touch those today. Okay. That has There's this thing called rings, and it is a whole mess. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you know about them. Mm -hmm. So what is a cryptocurrency? Okay. Tell, tell everybody what that is. All an attorney needs to really know is that a cryptocurrency or a unit thereof is two lines of text, okay? It's characters numbers, uh, typically numbers and letters, okay, um, in long strings, maybe 35, 55 uh, characters long. There's two sets. There's one that's called a private key and one that's called a public key. They're also called private addresses and public addresses. They're the same thing. Um, a private key is actually the store of value. It, it's what makes cryptocurrency worth something. There's only one private key for any unit of cryptocurrency in the world at any one time. And when I transfer that to someone, it disappears and changes into a new private key. So every single transfer of a private key is one way. On the other end of this is the public key. The public key is where I send the private key to. So you tell me your public key, I can then transfer my private key to you. Um, that creates opportunities and problems in and of itself. But the beauty of the public key is anyone can see it in the world. Okay, you can log online and you can check and see who sent money to that public key. You can only see the, you can't see the actual identity of the person. You can see a public key to public key transfer. And what they're transferring is that private key. Uh, if you recall, there was that one scam. Every time they try to do these scams via email, send us your Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's actually kind of fun uh, with those because you can go check and see if anyone's actually paid the ransom. And in most cases, oh, we they got haven't. one of those yes. one time, didn't yeah. we? And you went Remember and checked, checked on it. it. Yeah. yeah, no one pays those, um, and they don't realize how easy it is to check that. Interesting. But the public key is essentially 
uh, how you can view it and how you can store it. Uh, one aspect of it. So, is is there like, are there an unlimited number of bitcoins? Not with Bitcoin. So okay. eventually, I believe Bitcoin maxes out at 21 million units. Uh, it's some gigantic number, okay? And so there's a finite supply of Bitcoin. Ethereum, there is no finite supply. It keeps growing and growing and growing. That leads to inflation problems and sometimes drives down the price uh, when they change certain aspects. Uh, Bitcoin, once it reaches that 21 million mark... That's all there is. That's all there is, and so people will start trading smaller divisions of it. Okay. And then uh, some aspects, you'll make money on that by a transaction fee, right? So, so there's got to be a middleman. Bitcoin can go up in value, then, if there's a finite number. That's why, yes. Bitcoin is the big dog, primarily because of that it was first. Um, and it there's only going to be so much they have smaller units they call them satoshis or something like that i think it's satoshi okay. it's it smaller and smaller and smaller you can go back eight decimal points so it's not like a traditional currency where you go down to the fed and the fed gets their printers going and prints more money well almost okay so there's bitcoin is a proof of work algorithm which we'll talk about a little bit later uh, but there's miners, right? There's these people who own these certain machines. Miners, M-I-N-E-R-S? E-R-S, yes. Okay. Uh, um, never thought about it that way. <laughs> kind of like, kinda like yes. uh, working in the coal mine. Yeah, like you got your pick, and you're, you're going in there, and you're looking for gold, right? Except um, you're looking for Bitcoin. Bitcoin, yes. Okay. And um, with that, right now, uh, on some of them, you're paid every single confirmation you make, but eventually that will run out. Uh, and that's where the transaction fee will come in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense. I bet it does. <laughs> <laughs> There's a middleman confirming every transaction is the best way to think of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how do you own a cryptocurrency or a Bitcoin? Well, like if I own, if I own mm -hmm. a quarter, like I physically hold hand. the quarter in my hand, but with these, you don't own them. You don't hold them in your hand. Not in that way. So there's Even four with ways. stock, like you have a physical stock piece of paper. You can do that, but it's the worst way to do it. Okay. Okay, so that's called a paper wallet. It's one of the four ways. You literally print out your private key and your public key on a piece of paper, or you, sometimes they etch them or engrave them into metal, wood, or plastic. And it actually creates some problems for litigators, because if I put it all on this metal card and I go hide it somewhere in my house, you might not ever find it. Um, that would be a big problem for people who owned cryptocurrency uh, starting a few years back when there was no actual ID process on purchasing. Uh, but that's the first way, a paper wallet. And you have to remember with a paper wallet, if you're an attorney, do not disclose that private key. Because if you do that, I can enter it into this and I can steal it, okay? Right there. I can take all of your money, and remember, they're all one way. There's nothing you can do about it. So you don't want to list your private key on Never. an inventory. At most, list if if you have access to your private key, only maybe the first five numbers, maybe the first three. Um, Bitcoin private keys, I believe, start with five or S. Um, and so if you see a long string of numbers with that, just be careful. Um, but... I will also say you should never really see your private key unless you're printing out a paper wallet, which a lot of people do to store it offline. Because the other way of holding it is called a hot wallet, which is what I just showed you. 
it's an application, right? I mean, either like it's a phone on my app. phone app, computer app. Um, it can it's it's basically any type of software that you can move it between different phones if you wanted. Uh, that's a complicated process, but it's possible. Anyone can get it on their phone. What's the problem with that though, right? Your phone can get hacked. Yep. So then there's something called a cold wallet, which is I have one right here. This is called a ledger. Um, and it's like a little USB key. Yeah. And they store the private key on there. And I never see it from that point forward. Um, but couldn't somebody steal that also? Glad you asked. They could. But it has these little buttons on the top. Uh-huh. And I get to enter my password. And if you get it wrong three times, it wipes. Then there's the question, did right, I just lose it? Let's show that a little closer to the sure, camera just sure. in case so, so they can see the little buttons. There's little top. buttons right there. And there's yeah. a little screen. Here, yeah. Let me give you a little angle there, uh-huh. right? And, and you have to confirm everything, and, and okay. it's, it's a whole process. It's actually really clever. But what happens if someone steals it, right? Yeah. Uh, or they wipe it. There's something well, because it's all on there. Yeah. So if they steal it, it just ceases. If they can't break into it, it ceases to exist. Except for something called a seed key. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a seed key is a list of 24 words that you get whenever you initialize one of these and program it for the first time. And it, you'll actually get it on the, the hot wallet as well. Um, and those 24 words are in a specific order. And if I go buy a new replacement one and I enter those 24 words in a specific order, it'll regenerate it. Okay. okay? And so a lot of people have, um, it's called a crypto steal. It's uh, a piece of metal where you can slide in little chiclets and numbers and you can write down your seed key that way and you store it in a safe. Um, and so if I get robbed or if I lose this... You buy a new one and you can reprogram it. It's called a determinative wallet. Um, but the seed key is another item, just like a private key, you never want to show in discovery or as an exhibit. You never want to show anyone that. If you do, I would, I would redact the entire word uh, because it would not be that hard to find a computer program that can crack it because yeah. only the first four letters of the word matter. And 24 words, four letters, 26 letters in the alphabet – They'll be able to crack it eventually. So if somebody asks for your seed key in Discovery, you want to object it. to that. Redact, <laughs> yes. Because um, then you, anyone can steal it. If you're in the courtroom and there's a private, someone puts a, a paper wallet on the screen, do you own Bitcoin, right? Exhibit A, here it is. Yeah. The, I wouldn't say the bailiff, but let's say the intern, right? Yeah. Could take a picture of it on their phone right there, take it all right now in the middle of court, and you'd never know who did it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the hot wallet is what's on your phone. Yes. The cold wallet is the USB-looking mm-hmm. thing. Okay. And then what's an exchange wallet? An exchange wallet is probably what most people will start using. Um, and that's just like, it's almost like Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or anything like that. You log in, you have to show them your ID, you have to do the whole like verification process. And this is typically how you fund an account to actually start buying cryptocurrency. And so it's, it's just an exchange. Right, um, kind like a my, bank account. It connects to your bank account. Okay, and so the that's one of the major ways of actually finding out if someone has cryptocurrency, the money going in and out of an exchange. But in exchange, um, you can actually have a public address um, where you can send to an exchange, and the exchange will actually sometimes. Uh, when you withdraw money, show a public. You don't address mean as like well. my home address. You mean no, like no, a the digital public key. address? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then sometimes exchanges will actually say, 
the name of the exchange, uh, or it'll be easily identifiable. Okay. So, so if you're going to start buying Bitcoin, mm -hmm. you would get one of these exchange wallets. Absolutely. And fund it with some money from mm -hmm. your bank account. And then that's where you can start you move creating, moving those to the other yeah. wallets. Mm -hmm. So if somebody were looking for cryptocurrency, that mm -hmm. would be the first that's the little, place. little clue that there might be some cryptocurrency. Money in and out of the bank account into this exchange. It'll say so Coinbase. what would that look like on, on a bank statement? It'll say Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase is the biggest one. Uh, there are a few of them. There's like Gemini Exchange. It actually, the description of it in a bank account statement I've checked, it'll say Coinbase, then a, uh, a long series of letters and numbers, which I assume is a transaction ID. Okay. Uh, but it'll actually show up fairly easily if they're using a popular one. Uh, but then there's other issues uh, with purchasing cryptocurrency is that I can just buy it from anyone. I can give you cash and I can send it from my little cold wallet to your cold wallet and no one will ever know um, until you try to cash out somewhere else down the road if you try or if you go to a different country. You go to a different country and cash out. There's not going to be any... Um, ID requirements in some of them. There's even Bitcoin ATMs now. They charge a pretty hefty fee. Uh, but if you go find a foreign one, they won't require your ID. The new ones require IDs in the States. So to, to start the process, though, to fund that first exchange mm -hmm. wallet, it, does it have to come from a bank account or could no. somebody give them cash? No, you can't give them cash. Okay. Um, those are getting Could you take regulated. some cash, get a, get a money order, and then give the money order to the exchange wallet? No. Okay. It's all going to be it's digital. Come out it's of easily bank traced. Unless, but what you can do, there's two types of exchanges. There's the one we've been talking about, which is called a crypto fiat exchange, right? Fiat is just paper money, regular old money. Okay. Then there's a crypto crypto exchange. These ones don't require anything. It's the Wild West. But to very first start out, you've got to somehow get money into the exchanges. Yes. And so it's got to come from a bank account. In most cases, unless you're mining. We'll okay. talk about that later, though. Okay. That's All right. Whole... More to come. I know. <laughs> That'll be later. So, um, bank accounts, though. So, for, for if you're in the middle of divorce litigation mm -hmm. and, you know, somebody, a spouse says, I think my spouse has cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. So, one of the places, one of the needles in the haystack, I guess, that you could look for would be a transaction from a bank account. Mm -hmm into a Coinbase or some kind of exchange like yeah. that. Coinbase or Gemini would be the main ones. The main ones. For. There's one called Kraken. Yeah. So if you see a transfer to Coinbase, red then flag. that's your first red flag that there's some Bitcoin out they're there. They're definitely, I mean, they're not just, or they're just parking money out there. But odds are, if you're moving money into Coinbase, you're buying Bitcoin or Ethereum or okay. some other. And, and then from there, you can start the... Oh, I can, get, I can make it disappear. Yeah, um, right. But, but I mean, but that would a, be the first trail. clue. Okay. Uh, and sometimes that creates an issue, right? Because you know I bought it at this price on this day. And if I move it anywhere else after that, you don't know what I sold it for. If and I there's sold no it transaction anywhere. history. You can see it moving, but you don't know who it moved to. Um, you, would, you could assume it's or me. Or how much. You can see how much. Okay. It'll show how much. It'll show this random public address, this pu random public address. And sometimes uh, what people really need to look out for uh, is called a change address. Um, let's say you break a dollar, right? You get quarters. Um, if I only send someone half a Bitcoin, where's the other half go? It creates a new address. And it looks like I sent half a Bitcoin to two people, but I really kept half. 
Um, it sounds to me like this is one of these things that <laughs> it gives you an ability to hide assets mm -hmm. without very much ability to trace it. The trace will end uh, if you move it in enough times. Uh, I mean, it's not like they get a bank account statement, right? You could download a statement, um, but the problem is it ends after one, one link, right? Uh, it left Coinbase. I don't know who that person was. And there's nothing you can really do about it after that. So you and I started down this, this road of learning about cryptocurrency yes. when we had a client or a potential mm -hmm. client that, that kind of raised this issue of, I think he owns Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And it was like, how do we know? And so you and I kind of ta talk about how out. you started learning this process. Like whenever I said to you, like, hey, mm -hmm. we've got this issue, you know anything about it? And then you did what? Well, I tried to figure out first how to buy Bitcoin normally, um, which was not that difficult. I went to, I checked out how a Bitcoin ATM worked. I didn't actually buy any from there, but they make you put your ID in there and then they make, sometimes they make you text. They text you a confirmation. Um, so I was trying to find how to buy it with no one knowing. Um, and it takes a lot of work, um, but you have to, I, I believe the best way to do it is uh, almost with gift cards. Um, so uh, what I did is I, I set these up and then I didn't want to go through with it. Uh, and so they got really mad at me when I said, oh, okay, I was just seeing how this worked. <laughs> but uh, it looks like you, you buy a, a gift card, you can sell it to someone and they'll send you Bitcoin. Um, seems kind of risky, but there's exchanges for it, right? So there's essentially an escrow account. Um, and it seems pretty shady, um, but it's possible. If, if you see, what I would look for in a bank account would be, you know, this person's always going to uh, Target and buying these gift cards frequently, right? And we don't know where that money's going. Um, that could be uh, an indicator that they're purchasing it, but the values would probably be pretty low. Um, but that's how it started, was figure out how to do it so that they can't trace it. Um, and that's one way of doing it. And then another way is the change address, right? So I buy it legally. I think actually both ways are legal, which is kind of scary. Um, I buy it legally, and then I do the change address. It's in half here and half here, and they're both, both me, but it looks like I sent it to two different people, right? You don't know what happens then. Okay. Um, so what are the risks of mm -hmm. cryptocurrency as compared with traditional assets? So... A lot of exchanges are insured, uh, a traditional exchange, right? Um, or TD Ameritrade, if one of their servers go down, I don't lose everything, right? right. Uh, with cryptocurrency, these exchanges get hacked all the time. They go out of business. They disappear. Someone will die and go to India, uh, or they'll die in India. Sorry, that's what one of the most recent one was. And suddenly, all of these uh, private keys disappear. And no one knows what happened, right? There's a lot of fraud going on. And so you want to normally stick to the bigger named ones um, as they, they have started to insure themselves. Um, uh, Binance is one. Uh, they actually got hacked but had a rainy day fund and were able to pay people back. But that's very rare. Uh, most of the times you're exposed. And that's why you want to move it off an exchange. Um, if you steal cryptocurrency, you can't get it back. Um, you don't even know who stole it. Uh, it's very hard to steal a stock. 
right? Um, right. Unless I have the physical share, uh, but that's rare. Um, it sounds like this is like mm -hmm. the wild, wild west it with is. cowboys and Indians it and is. robbers and mm -hmm. train robbers. And oh, they'll hack your phone. In the Binance one, what they did is they hacked into the email accounts and then I, they hacked into the backup email accounts. And I don't know if they went into text messages, but they faked the whole thing all the way through. And millions of dollars were lost. And it was a big deal, but they actually, for the first time, I think, ever, they had a, a rainy day fund that they had to pay out from. So mm -hmm. I take it because this is so kind of international, mm -hmm. there's not really a regulating agency. No. I mean, you know, like in America, mm -hmm. if you put money in a bank, it's regulated by the FDIC, and there's some oversight and insurance. and They've started. Okay. So New York now hands out it's a Bitcoin or a crypto license. Uh, for traders, uh, New York and London, London, I think has some regulations in England too. Um, but for the most part, they can be anywhere. Right. You and you how is that even know. enforced? I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? Is that not just right. gratuitous by by somebody in New York certifying somebody, yeah, I, and that's I kind of a gratuitous certification? You, you can't undo it. Right. Um, sometimes what they'll do is they'll keep following it along the chain and see where it lands, and the problem is, is how are you going to figure out who owns that? Uh, you have to connect it to a bank account, so you have to have a suspicion to start with. Yeah. But they could just steal it from you. You'd never know. It could be someone in, you know, the Philippines. Wow. The, the yeah. exact other side of the earth. If you want. Okay, so risks would be, like, if you lose the, the address, right? Oh, you right? lose, yeah, you, uh, or you lose, lose your password, right? You forget. See, that's going yeah. to be what would mm -hmm. happen to me because <laughs> I can never remember my passwords. Mm -hmm. You lose your passwords. These exchanges are very finicky. They love to block people um, and freeze funds and freeze accounts. Um, and so you lose your password. You can be locked out for a long time. They might not ever give it back to you. There's hundreds, probably thousands of stories where people are just complaining like, this exchange stole all my money. And there's, there's no one to go to. Um, if it's stateside, you might be able to eventually sue them. But it's an uncharted territory almost. Uh, there's also physical theft, right? Um, if, if I lose my seed key. somebody stole your little thing off your yeah, key ring. If they stole this and I lost my seed key, yeah. it's gone. What if I just type the wrong public address? Uh, this is my greatest fear uh, because you've just sent it to someone and made their day. Or you sent it to just a random account that was used once, right? And no one's monitoring and it's just sitting out there. Uh, so... What I suggested in um, one of my other webinars is that if you're trying to divide these assets, you set up a public key uh, where all the assets must be put and so they can be constantly monitored. And then in your divorce decree, you have to make sure you type that out exactly how it's listed. Um, and you could, you could divvy them up like that, but um, you got to be very careful with that because uh, they can... You, one typo and you can lose thousands of dollars and you still owe the other person money. I have trouble typing a VIN number on a car. Yeah, you're, and I you take want to do it these a are a lot longer, right? A lot of copying and pasting <laughs> and paranoid, um, paranoid double checking. Uh, when I started uh, the mining process, I accidentally missed one letter in my address to send the funds to. And I was sitting there going, what's going on? I've been sitting here for, you know, days and nothing's happening. And then I figured it out finally, getting really close to the screen and 
reading up and down, up and down. I was like, oh, I, I missed an A or something. So like did that. you lose that? Yeah, it's gone. Oh my gosh! Yeah, just gone. like it never existed. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so how do you value? Like, how do we know how much a Bitcoin is worth? Because okay. doesn't the value go up and down like a stock market? It does. It's exactly like that. There's an exchange. You can have a market price, right? Or um, there's also you can do a limit order, a stop stop loss order, things like that. Um, it's it's just if you're doing a private sale, it's literally what the other person will pay you. Um, there are some local exchanges. Uh, where you can actually, you know, deposit money into their bank account and you show the receipt and then they'll send you, the third party will send, the escrow company sends you the Bitcoin. Um, Those tend to be a higher market price, right? And so there's some websites. One of them is called uh, CoinMarketCap. It kind of averages multiple exchanges and will give you a general market price. Um, And that market price is what sets the value on any given day. And the best part about it is, you can know the value of that Bitcoin at the time it was purchased down to almost the minute, going back years. Uh, there's different websites. I think Coindesk is one of them where you can just tr- you can trace it. If I know he bought Bitcoin on this day, it was worth this much at that time. I don't know what he did with it afterwards, but I know it was at least that much. And if he bought that dollar amount, he probably bought this many units of it, right? It's just an algebra of figuring out what X is. And... Now that I know he has that many units, it's 10 years later. Uh, how many units is it worth? How much is that worth now? It's grown exponentially, mm-hmm. right? So you can show essentially a capital gain, right? Um, 0.5 Bitcoins was worth 50 cents back then. Now it's worth $6,000. That is not the creation of anything new. It's just the growth in value. Um, it's really that's something people need to be scared of if yeah. they bought it early on. Yeah. And so if people are, on, I mean, if they're honest, <laughs> <laughs> if people are honest, I mean, that would sounds like it'd be subject to capital gains. Yes. Too. That that's one I would tax wise. I would think so. I always just report it. Yeah. Uh, well, good. I, yeah. Since we're on camera. Yeah. I know. Right. I just, <laughs> I, I try to be safe about it. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I mean, but it, it sounds mm-hmm. like, there's n- not much of a way that the IRS would know if you didn't report it. They have some actual, they've got some new software. Um, but once again, it has to link to a bank account. Right. Or else it's just a whole bunch of anonymous people sending data back and forth. So again, a tax return, if you're in litigation in a divorce, mm-hmm. a tax return might be a place it. where yeah. it would show the Bitcoin ownership or sales or yeah. capital gains or mm-hmm. something, um, if people are honest. Yeah. So. I know exactly where that goes. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Well, and I assume that there's no like uh, forensic CPA out there who can value a Bitcoin. Who would you call if you wanted to value a Bitcoin? What would I do? I would... First, you need to check and see if it moved. If it didn't move, um, you literally would want to see the exchange they use, which you might be able to determine by going back one link in the chain. and just look at the market price, but you don't know if they bought it at a market price. But what I'm saying is like, yeah, okay. Oh, it changes every day, right? But it I'm dropped five percent in the last he, hour. If if like or if we're in the middle of a divorce litigation mm-hmm. and we're filling out an inventory ah. and we've identified that mm-hmm. there really are some bitcoins, mm-hmm. and we want to know how to value those for purposes of dividing the asset in the divorce yeah. or giving it to him yeah. and her getting something else, how? 
who do you call? <laughs> like, who are you going to call? There's no Ghostbusters for well, Bitcoin. I mean, is there? Or? No. Well, you, I mean, you just have to go to that website or, or check what, that's your best guess. Is there a valuation expert I can call besides Andrew so. Spear? I, I, <laughs> it's, I mean, and I would just, I would just go to the website. Yeah. Um, but what a good way to do it would be to actually just divide the coin. You, you get 0.5, you get 0.5. Um, that'll stop the problem there. Um, yeah. And if someone really doesn't want it, um, you can give the entire amount to the other person. So if somebody had this problem in a divorce, if mm -hmm. there were some lawyers out there watching mm -hmm. the CLE and they have this problem in a divorce mm -hmm. and they um, find out that there's some Bitcoin involved mm -hmm. in a case that they have, would this be a place where somebody could call and hire you as an expert witness sure. yeah. um, to testify about the process, the ownership and the mm -hmm. value? Yeah, I can, I can show who owns it. As long as you can get me there at that bank account. For and then time. would this also be something where the attorneys could hire you as co-counsel to sure. litigate that issue? Absolutely. All right. And one of the more important things you can do is you can find out the monetary value on each transfer. So each link in that chain, um, if at some point you lose the chain, you can go check the exact price it was worth on that day, at least a market price, which is probably what they use. And it's just... It's difficult to figure out once you once if you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. Is really the trick yeah. there. All right. Well, mm -hmm. we have reached the end of this first segment of our cryptocurrency Tales from the Crypto uh, segment. Uh, so we're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be back shortly for the next segment on cryptocurrency as income. We'll be right back. that this is a webinar that's aimed at attorneys. This is for continuing legal education. If you're out there watching this, this webinar and you're not an attorney, we welcome you to watch it. But remember that we are not giving you any specific legal advice. We cannot comment on any specific case or situation without knowing all the facts. So if you need legal advice, this webinar is not a substitute for legal advice. Please, please seek the advice of a lawyer as to your specific situation and get specific advice to that. Because if you rely on just what we're talking about here, we're being general, we're talking about general legal pr principles that may not actually apply to your situation. This is for continuing legal education only and we cannot create an attorney-client relationship just through the video camera, okay? Thanks.